Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Today, we'll be looking ahead to Anfield this weekend, celebrating four years at Mikel and talking a bit about our Champions League round of 16 opponents, Porto. I'm Jay Harris and I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Art DeRoche. Good morning, guys. Good morning. So we're taking a, a little break over Christmas and Stoney will be back in the new year. I know you're deeply upset. <laughs> so as my loan spell at Handbrake Off is coming to an end, producer Jay suggested we have a little bit of fun looking back at some of our favourite players that Arsenal has signed on loan over the years. So I'm expecting big, big things from both of you two. So <laughs> we signed go... any good ones, apart yeah. from <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the conundrum. We've had a few questionable arrivals. Yunichi Inamoto, Dennis Suarez. We'll start with one of the weirdest. I'm sure you both know what I'm about to say or who I'm about to name. Kim Kallstrom. Signed... With a broken back in January 2014, I'm still not sure how that one got over the line, but he scored a vital penalty in the FA Cup semi-final shootout, leading to Arsenal ending their nine-year trophy drought. So maybe it was worth it in the end. In 2016, he actually said it was the greatest 15 minutes of my life. Can you guys remember how strange that signing seemed at the time? I think for me, the last memory I have apart from it being weird, was another like 15-minute cameo against Swansea late in that season. That was the first year I properly started going to the Emirates with my junior gunner membership. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, a very strange time for the, the number six position at Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a weird one. We just didn't get to see very much of him. We didn't... Did we sign him from Spartak Moscow, I think? So it wasn't exactly high profile. He didn't look in brilliant shape. I think he was quite a thick-set player anyway. But these were strange times, weren't they? I mean, Yai Sonogo was leading the line. <laughs> but yeah, Kalström... Yeah, he, he chipped in, didn't he, with that good penalty? But really, that was that was just about it, wasn't it? And and I think he went back there and, and retired within within a couple of years. So yeah, it was it was an odd one, but we had that spell, didn't we? It was sort of during the the previous decade to this, where we we got a few random players in on loan. They always seemed to be a little bit panicky, and 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 none of them played that often. My personal favourite, and at this point, I should probably confess that. Art and I spoke about this late last night because we stayed up until half 11 playing FIFA as you do. <laughs> but my personal favourite is Julio Baptista. And I think it's because he signed in 2006, 2007, uh, a, a strange loan swap deal with Jose Antonio Reyes going to, to Real Madrid in the other direction. So I would have been 11 or 12 and the idea of Arsenal signing a Brazilian centre midfielder from, from Real Madrid was just incredibly exciting. But... Art and I actually looked at his stats last night and he didn't actually play that well. So I think it's 
I think my memory's distorted by those famous four goals at, at Anfield. Uh, Adrian, I don't know if you can remember that game, that 6-3 victory back in the day. Yeah, bits of it. Yeah, I mean, he was such a powerful player, wasn't he? He was a big old unit. And once he got into his stride, he was he was quite difficult to stop. But the, the Arsene Wenger teams were, had a lot of guile and they had a lot of craft and a lot of small players. So he, he sort of stood out for very different, different reasons. You know, um, it was almost like a throwback to the early days of Wenger where power and pace were, were very much the key attributes. And Batista's coming in again. He's got another tap in. And Arsenal have scored six at Anfield and he's got four of them. Julio Batista. Next up, this one speaks for itself. The king himself, Mr Thierry Henry. Henry, chance, goal! He may be cast in bronze, but he's still capable of producing truly golden moments. Were either of you two in the stands the night he scored that goal against Leeds? I was. Yeah, I was. I was. I was actually not working, which is weird because I've, I've sort of worked almost every Arsenal match day for I don't know how long. But I had the night off and I got invited into a box. So I was prawn sandwiching that <laughs> night. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was, we've been looked after by the by the Premier League because I do some work for them. And yeah, the noise. The, I mean, I'd, I'd had a couple of beers, but at this point, so I was <laughs> I was already buzzing. But the uh, the noise was was up there. I've got to say with with one of the loudest I've heard at Emirates Stadium. Probably at that time, it was undoubtedly the loudest Emirates Stadium had, had, had sounded. I think it might have been eclipsed a couple of times last season or even this. But um, yeah, it was a great moment, sensational. And uh, I think we were all just just seeing the joy on his face. You know, he's he, he was one of the world's best players when he played for us the first time around. And scoring that goal would have been just par for the course. But for him to get that goal in his second spell and to, to to have that ecstatic moment. It was lovely to see it because didn't he say afterwards that he, it was the first goal he'd scored being an Arsenal fan? Yeah. Which I think, I think was a really nice line. Definitely. I unfortunately wasn't in the stadium. I would have been 13, I believe. <laughs> Out of order. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, very, very fortunate to... I guess, have lived that moment, even if I wasn't in the stadium. Finally, we have to mention Martin Odegaard, who's probably the most important loan signing Arsenal have ever made for what's come afterwards. Art, I'll come to you first because he actually didn't have the easiest start to life at Arsenal. But was was there anything you saw in that initial loan spell that made you think he'd become the player that he is today? Yeah, so basically I mentioned that Odegaard's loan spell was all right. It wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. And I think a lot of people when he then signed permanently were a bit underwhelmed in a way because of the loan spell. But for me, I was quite excited because being able to see him in the flesh in those games, remember this was still lockdown. I think you there are some players who you just see a different uh, side to when you see them live. And I saw that with Erdegaard against Leicester that season at the King Power. And that's the moment when I kind of realised how good a talent he was before Arsenal went on and signed him permanently. I wasn't blown away either. And and we were being linked with some really good players at the time um, as alternative attacking midfielders to sign permanently. And James Madison was, was among them. 
And I was probably of the school of thought that I would have gone for Madison rather than Edegard based on on the form that he'd shown on that loan spell. But as Art says, I, I wasn't at those games in, in lockdown. I was watching them all remotely. So you do get a different perspective. I, I just think the moment he signed permanently, he... he He's just carried on improving. It's just it's quite a rapid improvement, actually. I think in in his game, and um, he he is, I don't know, twice the player probably now than he was in that first loan spell. So you've got to credit Mikel Arteta or the staff there for for recognizing the potential in him as well. And and it, as we've seen, he is clearly somebody that thrives off noise. Um, he's always trying to drum up more, isn't he? I mean, he spends half the game sort of whooping up the crowd these days. Um, so that that is another factor. Some players are just just that little bit better when there's when there's an atmosphere around them, and and he'd come into that category. He's a class player, and um, yeah, I doff my cap to the people that recruited him because I wasn't quite seeing what what he's become. If I'm being brutally honest, and um, I'm delighted to. Have, to have been proven wrong. I knew he was good. I knew he was a very good player, but I didn't realise he was this good. And uh, I don't mind admitting that. Um, I, I think he's up there. I think he's he's got to be one of the best players in his position in the world. He has to, he has to be pretty close to that now. No, I completely agree. I think it's definitely an example of trusting the process. And speaking of trusting the process, before we preview Liverpool, yesterday actually marked four years of Mikel Arteta being in charge. So we've had some correspondence from Dave Owens regarding a handbrake off episode from late 2019. So this is Dave saying, I've kept the episode, are we too good to go down on my podcast app as a reminder over the last few years that despite the odd challenging period, what Mikel Arteta has achieved so far is genuinely remarkable. I'm re-listening to this now and feel ready to let it go once and for all, but talks of Mustafi and Louise and one win from 15 plus four losses on the bounce is a stark reminder of where Arsenal were at the point mid-days after Arteta took over. No idea whether we'll end up going on to win something significant, but we're indisputably in the conversation, both in the Premier League and, believe it or not, the Champions League. Could we have imagined that in December 2019? Anyway, keep up the good work, folks. I feel part of the gang. Win or lose to celebrate or commiserate amongst the Arsenal handbrake family. I <laughs> think that's a, that's a Good beautiful message. message. All right, it's time to go beyond the frame with Google Pixel. Our very own Amy Lawrence was at the Emirates on Sunday. She's here with something you might have missed from the Brighton game. Beyond the frame with Google Pixel. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalists' audio being drowned out by the crowd... The audio sounds just the way the journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app. May not work on all images or all audio elements. A very important performance from Arsenal and one that I think stood out because virtually all the players produced a high quality, high level individual performance within the team collective and there's one in particular who may not get the headlines but is worthy of a special mention and that's Declan Rice. For the umpteenth game he is showing a new dimension that he brings to this team. He was Mr Everywhere and there were moments in the game where you could feel the crowd 
responding with that kind of excited energy and a special cheer when he got hold of the ball in a, uh, a defensive area and just powered forward, eating up the ground, surging and, and progressing the ball beautifully. He was so dangerous. He was incredibly uh, solid and resilient in anything he has to do defensively at times, slipping back to join Saliba and Gabriel to make almost a three at the back to allow others to go forward en masse. And then at times he would just get that ball in midfield and go. And that energy when he drives, he's got this massive stride and it really gets the team going. And he was responsible for producing some truly breathtaking football within what was an excellent team performance. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Right, on to Saturday's massive game, Anfield awaits. We're currently one point ahead of Liverpool. They'll be full of confidence after winning 5-1 last night in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal versus West Ham. You know, it would have been great if they got dragged to penalties, but what can you do? We haven't won at Anfield in the league since September 2012, so over 10 years. We threw away a 2-0 lead there last season. So Adrian, how much of the battle on Saturday is about the, the mental challenge? There's always a mental challenge at Anfield, always. I was a sub there once, didn't come on, unfortunately, but, you know, it's it's an intimidating place. It's a, it's a proper cauldron, an arena. They love beating Arsenal and... You've got to be you've got to be ready for it, but I do think I think this team is is absolutely ready for it mentally. But yeah, they've they've got to go there and forget about the record because the record is is disastrous. I was at the game that started it actually <laughs> ten years ago. I took my son, who was thirteen at the time, and um, we we were four 0 down in twenty minutes. <laughs> you know, you remember the game. Was it Luis Suarez and Sturridge yeah. and Sterling? They were just on fire and I was like, oh my goodness. And since so basically across the last 10, 10 years, uh, they've scored thirty four goals against us at home, you know, three point four a game. They've never scored less than two. It's it, it, this is the challenge of all challenges for for Arsenal in recent times. But, but I do think the mentality is strong enough now to go there and to cope with what they'll throw at us. Look what look how we cope with what Manchester City have in attack earlier this season. So I think that will have given us confidence, as will, I think, that first half performance at Anfield last season where we comprehensively destroyed them. I mean, it, it, we were 2-0 up and it, it could have been 4-5. or five. Um it didn't end well uh, with the, with the two two goals conceded, but that I think will give us belief that we can learn from our mistakes and and maintain that control for longer. I, I certainly hope. So. I th- I think this team is good enough to go to Anfield this time round and control the game and win it. I do. Oh, I was just wondering, are there any lessons to be learned from that two will draw last season that you think are crucial for for this game? Yeah, I remember a lot of the chat afterwards was about Granite Xhaka, <laughs> which wasn't really the case. Um, people thought that he was the reason that the Anfield crowd basically got into the game when that wasn't really what happened. So for me, I just think it's about managing moments a bit better as a team and also recognising, I guess, the right moments to play in certain areas. So... 
for instance, I, I think it's quite a similar game or could be a similar game to the Aston Villa game a couple of weeks ago where you go to a stadium like that against a team who love to play transitional football. You just need to be street smart and know how to navigate certain situations. So I wouldn't say it's massively different in terms of the approach to Anfield last year, because as Adrian said, Arsenal 2-0 up and they merited that. So it's more subtle things. But I, I do feel like over the past 18 months, it's been almost building blocks to getting better away from home. At first, it was, okay, actually getting wins at Brighton away, Brentford away even, Crystal Palace away. Those were, I would say, big milestones for that Arsenal side. And then from there, you just get a bit more belief about yourself. So I think that belief should be there, but it will just be how they they manage those moments. Yeah, our away form against the big teams has been not great this season. Obviously, we, we drew at Chelsea, which was a bit too chaotic, really, for, for, for Arteta's liking. And obviously, the, and we lost to Villa and Newcastle 1-0. There was a hard luck story involved in both those losses, clearly, and they were probably unjust. And I think we were the better team in, in, in both defeats. But but yeah, this, you know, this season, we haven't gone somewhere big and and delivered. So yeah, that's that's the challenge in hand. But but art art is absolutely bang on. It is about managing moments and sensing the vibe as well inside the ground and not giving them anything to cling on to. That's what happened in that first half. If we replay that game, the crowd was so quiet because they were like, "Whoa, <laughs> like Arsenal are miles better than us." And and it was only yeah that yeah it was only a little sort of spark they needed to to get themselves back into it. We just got to keep them, keep those supporters and the team, the Liverpool team, keep them quiet and and frustrated. Yeah, I think part of that also will come from, hopefully, <laughs> just being compact, because the big issue I think for this Arsenal team is when they get stretched it's quite easy to get around the sides. So I think fullbacks, obviously, when you're talking about Mohamed Salah, are going to be um, really important. Well, you've actually, um, you know, stolen my next question, Art. So I may <laughs> as well come come straight back to you. A few key decisions, and it feels like who starts at left back is potentially the biggest of them all. So is this a game for Zinchenko or is this a game for Kivio? Because obviously Timber and Tomiyasu are not available. Personally, I'd go Kivior. That would have been my preference before Aston Villa as well. And there's track record of that somewhere on the, on the <laughs> website. I, I just feel like um, not to, I guess, downplay Zinchenko's impact on the team, but I would prefer someone who's more defensively sound, has more of a defensive mind, not only in just positioning, but also knowing what to follow, the man or the ball in certain situations and not getting stretched or leaving too big a gap between himself and Gabriel, which means Declan Rice is then doing the job of almost three players at once because at the minute he's probably doing at least two players' jobs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that would be my preference, Kivior at left back. Adrian, do you agree or? Uh, 
A few weeks ago, I would have. I would have had Tommy Asu in there. I would. I'm going to go for Zinchenko because I want. I want us to go there with a positive mentality and 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 the aim of controlling the game. And I do think that Zinchenko, with his progressive passing, makes a tremendous difference. Um, you know, we saw Kivio left back against Luton, and it, it really did. Uh, I know it's a very different type of game, but it really did impact our ability to sort of move the ball smoothly into forward areas. Uh, it was only when Zinchenko came on late on that Arsenal's sort of really clicked into gear. And I, I, I think the positives of Zinchenko at the moment outweigh the negatives. Obviously, Salah's an issue, but I think Gabriel will deal with will deal with him more often than not. Anyway, you, you look at the way we defend; he, he, he's a hybrid between a left back and a centre back. Anyway, Gabriel. So, yeah, I I would start with Zinni and then hopefully we get ourselves into a nice position of strength and then we can bring on Kivior to shut up shop and, um, you know, on the on the hour mark. That, you know, that would be my my sort of game plan in my in my head. Because the reason being is that I think Liverpool's strengths, uh, well, Liverpool's strength is, is Salah and, and Soboslai, really. And it's Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, it's long range, you know, long range shooting, it's momentum, it's free kicks, corners, those kind of things. I don't rate them at the back, particularly. I think the fullback positions are quite weak. I think that in, in defensive midfield is a, is a problem for Liverpool at the moment. So I want us to spend as much time as we can getting at them. And 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 for that reason, Zinni would, would get the nod because I'd want us to be proactive Rather than rather than too cautious here. Well, you've obviously spoken about their defensive fragility. Um, Matip won't be available, um, and obviously Trent's playing in this new, or well, it's not new now, but this hybrid role. And there's often a lot of space in between. Spoke about Gabriel Jesus earlier this week and his unbelievable scoring record. So, how important is it that he's you know at his top level on on Saturday? It's just massive, isn't it? I, I think that when Jesus is is flying, um, Arsenal fly. It's as simple as that, and we've seen it in the Champions League group group stage. He loves he loves that kind of match, and and I want him to sh- to show himself, show his best self in a bigger away game like this. I think he's good enough to. He can be a real handful for someone like like a Van Dijk. Canate uh, is quick, we know that, but maybe some of his decision making isn't isn't spot on. So I, I think that that he's the trigger. Gabriel Jesus at the top end of the pitch get him on the ball looking after it remember he didn't give a pass away the other day in the previous match him look after it build a platform to give it to Erdegaard give it to Havertz you know give it to the to the two wide players and we go from there I, I think him dragging Canate or or Trent it might be at times or even Van Dijk, although I don't know whether he'll get drawn into midfield that often, but him dragging dragging someone away from the centre-back spot for a runner like Saka, Martinelli or Havertz is, is, is a way to unlock them. I've, I've watched quite a bit of Liverpool this season and you can get, you can break on them quick. You really can. You can get in from turnovers when Trent Alexander-Arnold is caught in field. There's so much space and I think that Jesus and Martinelli and Saka can have fun if we play to our potential. But, you know, I'm talking very positively here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Liverpool have plenty of threat of their own and, and, you know, they're equally as capable of hurting us, I think. But if we're looking at it positively, I, I do think if Jesus plays well, we'll score at least two goals in the game. That's, that's how I see it. I also wanted to say that um, just from memory, Martinelli always seems to have a, a great time up against 
Trent Alexander-Arnold. But but also, before I come to you, Art, I think the game's on Sky Sports. So I can already hear Peter Drury's voice in my head making Jesus and Christmas <laughs> jokes. <laughs> oh my God, please no. <laughs> um, Art, are there any other areas of Liverpool's team where you think we can exploit that? I think Adrian's covered it quite in depth, but the one thing from an Arsenal perspective that I'd like to add on top of that is Erdegaard. I feel like what well, most people feel <laughs> the last couple of weeks we've been able to see him get back to his creative best in terms of actually coming a bit deeper to receive the ball and playmake basically. And Brighton, I think maybe not played into Arsenal's hands, but it was a much better game for him because of the space they allow players to get into with how positive they are in their approach. And I think he could maybe get into some similar spaces against Liverpool. And once he gets into those pockets, either freeing Saka or Martinelli, like he did against Liverpool last season, I think he could be the one to really accelerate things for Arsenal. So yeah, I think he's been gearing up nicely over the past few weeks. And hopefully Saturday is kind of the moment where... I guess everyone in the Premier League sees that he's back to what he was doing so often last year. Yeah, the, the other th- person we should mention is David Raya, Jay, um, because this is a huge game for him. You remember Aaron Ramsdale had an absolute blinder, didn't he, in this fixture last season when they where they came at us in that second half. And and as confident as I am, or quietly confident, because I, I don't think you can ever given our record, you know, confidently predict we're going to go to Anford and win. But I, I do think we, we're good enough to do it, certainly to get a, a draw again. But they are still a very good team and they will create a lot of chances. No one has had more shots from inside the box. No one has had more shots from outside the box <laughs> than Liverpool. It's their finishing really that's that's cost them, you know, scoring a lot more goals have been quite wasteful. So they are going to at times, pepper us and, and create create chances. And it's going to be a real acid test of David Raya. He's, he's you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see whether it makes him grow or whether it makes him shrink, this this kind of environment. So hopefully it's the, it's the former. Right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back very shortly. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. You're listening to Jay Harris, Adrian Clark, and Art DeRoche here on Handbrake Off. So Liverpool won 5 1 last night, but it wasn't all smiles. Jurgen Klopp came out afterwards and said he wasn't happy with the atmosphere, adding we need Anfield on Saturday. He then went on to say, Arsenal will be prepared. We need Anfield on their toes from the first second. If it's too much football in December, if you're not in the right shape, give your ticket to somebody else. Now, is this Klopp feeling the pressure or is this, you know, lesson 101 from the Jose Mourinho (laughs) book of mind games? Which is it? I I think it's kidology. Uh, It's... I was going to say finest, but I don't think finest because most <laughs> most people should be able to see through that. He knows it's going to be a big game. He knows the impact 
Anfield can have. So I think he's just trying to drum it up before a big game. I don't think he's really that, I guess, annoyed at the atmosphere. And again, this is coming after a Carabao Cup game. It's not like he's saying this after a Champions League semi-final or something like that. So yeah, I, I'm not putting too much stock into it. I just think now Arsenal are just going to have to be ready for an even louder stadium on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, I, I agree with you. But it is a sign that he's a little bit nervous of Arsenal. I think he has, he will have a lot of respect for Arsenal. And he know, he does know, especially given the history of the fixture and, and how important it is at the top end of the table, he knows the crowd are a factor there at Anfield. When, when they are hot, that crowd, it... it can be really tough um so yeah he's just he's just reminding everyone of that isn't he um we just got to be ready for it that but you know the Anfield crowd will will be quiet when their team aren't playing well and we've got to ensure that we dominate the game and and make sure they we don't give them too much to cling on to and we've got to be we've got to be calm and measured and clinical and if we are I, I, I believe, I firmly believe we're the stronger team. It's just, you know, we've got to be cool in those big moments. Just on the crowd noise point, I think one of the really key factors in Arsenal getting better away from home is how they shut home crowds up. Selhurst Park, they did it on the first game of last season. There are moments when they played Brighton away last season where it was really almost like frenzy-like, but then again, just get the ball on the deck and pass it around for, <laughs> for a minute or so, and you're able to kind of control the volume. But also the Newcastle game away last season um, was quite similar where Newcastle started hot. They, should, they almost had a penalty and then Arsenal responded by just, again, keeping the ball moving, um, slowing the tempo of the game right down and setting the pace. And I think that's almost like a, a blueprint, maybe, of just being able to calm a place down and take it at your own speed. Yeah, well, let's hope Christmas comes early and we get the result and I get bragging rights over my little <laughs> brother who supports Liverpool. And as you can probably tell by the tone of my voice, I've never completely forgiven him for making that decision. So it was the, the Champions League round of 16 draw on Monday after we recorded the pod. Arsenal have got Porto. I remember Art mentioning it last week and you thought you were going to jinx us and we were going to get you know, the worst possible outcome. So we've got Porto. Are we both happy with, with the opponents? Yeah, I, I think Porto is a fine draw. Looking at how they've performed this season, I wouldn't say it's one where it's easy. You can't really say that. But with the way that Arsenal have started in the Champions League, especially at home, where they've scored 12 and conceded none, I'm still very confident that they should be strong enough to progress, especially when you factor into it, Mikel Arteta's hardly rotated in the Champions League. So if he was to go full strength in February, I think that team should be good enough to progress to the quarterfinals. So just to give you a little bit of Info. The last time we faced Porto was 2010. So we lost 2-1 in Portugal, but won 5-0 at the Emirates. And we faced them on two occasions before that and have, have never won away. I'm hoping you two are not 
looking at the same document as I am, because if you're not, I'm going to give you a quick quiz question. <laughs> Who's currently playing? Have you seen it? I've I'm seen just, it. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Seen it. Okay. <laughs> Who's currently playing for Porto, who actually played for them in both legs when we first faced them back in 2006? Well, I do know the answer to this. Um, it's Pepe. <laughs> Surely should have retired about <laughs> five years ago, but he, he's, I think he's 40. He is. And, and yeah, he's, he's back at Porto and playing. So look, you know, Jesus in his prime up against Pepe, you know, 40 years of age. I, He's got a chance. I think he's gonna <laughs> gonna come away. I think he's gonna come away with a few bruises, Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, but you got to back our boy there in in that particular duel. So yeah, no, that's yeah, that's that's a, that's a face to look out for. I mean, there aren't that many sort of household names in their team. You know, this sort of never happened really. They 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 tend to develop players, sell them, and then they go on and become bigger, don't they? Uh, Medi Tarimi is probably the 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 star player up front for them. But yeah, they've look, they've got good players. I mean, Shalino uh, and Evan Nielsen got four apiece in the group stage. All I know about Porto, I don't know loads about them yet, uh, is that they're a good, aggressive pressing team. That you know, they'll really look to ruffle feathers. I mean, Pepe plays for them, so you know that that's going to be a, a, a factor. But I don't think they're the easiest to 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 get a flow against. So. We're going to have to um, win our duels, aren't we? We're going to have to be be nice and aggressive ourselves, earn the right to let our superior quality um, shine through. I think, and I think it will over two legs. I'm I'm really happy with the draw. I think it's one of the better ones we could have got. I've got another quick little fact for you both. Porto lost two 0 to Sporting Lisbon on Monday night. No prizes for guessing who got sent off. <laughs> Did he used to play for Real Madrid? <laughs> he certainly did. I don't know what he got sent off for, but it looks like a straight red. So I'm sure we can all imagine he's probably, you know, swapped his leg at someone on the counter. They're also a 4-4-2 team, by the way, which is obviously uh, slightly unusual these days. So there'll be one of those 4-4-2s that's like an Atletico Madrid 4-4-2 where you're going to the, you know, everyone's tucking in behind the ball. They're going to make life really hard for us. But the two strikers... Um, will will be something that our team aren't used to facing that often. So it's just something to get our heads around ahead of that head of that game. But yeah, even if we don't win the first leg, I, I, yeah, I'm very confident at the Emirates. I feel like I should quickly point out it could be a quite a high scoring game as well because they they were ranked fifth for goals scored in the group stage with 15, and we were joint third with 16. So those two strikers, like you said, coming in hot. Okay, so before we wrap it up. And my, my loan spell ends. We're going to finish with the songs. Um, Adrian, I'll let you go first. What, what, what song are you picking? Well, I'm, I'm forgetting football, really. It's Christmas, isn't it? This is the last one before Christmas. <laughs> so, let's, I don't know, let's go out on, a, on an anthem, shall we? Uh, <laughs> the, and there are so many good Christmas songs. Um, not necessarily picking the best one here. Um, but I like the line in it. This is a nice line. So you'll know the song. So here it is. Merry Christmas. Everybody's having fun. Look to the future now. It's only just begun. <laughs> and I think that's that's kind of how I feel about Arsenal. We, we, we can look to the future. It's only just begun. So a bit of Slade for me. Lovely. I'm going to go with Beastie Boys. You've got to fight for your right to party. Because 
as we've mentioned, the record at Anfield, it's not the best and it feels like it's going to be tense and possibly scrappy and a fiery atmosphere and we've got to be on point. So that's what I'm going for. You gotta fight for your right to Mine is completely random this week. Nothing to do with football. Nothing it's always with, random. Yeah, nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> nothing to do with Jay's last pod hosting. It's just a song that's been a vibe for me recently. And it's Just a Waste by Pink Panthers, uh, which I coincidentally saw on a Daniel Sturridge edit on TikTok a few weeks ago. That's my pick for this week. And I don't know why. <laughs> So, so basically the link is you saw this song on a Daniel Sturridge edit. Daniel Sturridge plays for Liverpool but supports Arsenal. That, <laughs> that can be the link. Three very different choices there. <laughs> yeah, very niche. Uh, I'll be happy if even one of them gets put on somebody's rotation. Anyways, that's it for today. Massive thanks to Art and Adrian. Thanks to JR Producer. I've got to say thanks to everybody who's been listening. I've seen all the messages, really appreciate it. It's been great fun actually talking about the team I support for once and um, I'm not lurking in the shadows. So thank you very much for listening. Have a great Christmas and New Year from everybody at Handbrake Off. Up the Arsenal. Mm-hmm.